0: <clears throat> stop coughing sorry <laughs> good evening how are you
1: you start i'll start
0: <laughs> one guest 10 songs 10 reasons music was my first love on radio glamorgan my guest on this edition of music was my first love i was supposed to meet up within march 2020 at the annual hba awards in bolton to record this show However, the coronavirus put a stop to that. He's the voice of the balls, the voice of Strictly, former Radio 2 newsreader, beloved member of the Wake Up To Wogan team, top voiceover artist, and also the voice of the above-mentioned HBA Awards. It is, of course, Mr Alan Dedicote. We'll hear from Alan after his first choice, which is Wednesday's Child from Matt Monroe.
1: When you smiled Just for me You smiled for a while I forgot I was this child Alan
0: Dedico, welcome to Radio Glamorgan. Music was my first love.
1: Thank you very much. That's very, very kind of you. And it is, in a way, you know, because it's a great... The thing about music, to me, is it is a great mood changer. Yeah. And I've been sort of flying around here today doing all sorts of stuff. These days, I'm doing corporate events, and I'm very lucky to do them, and I sit at the back of a big room... And say the nominees are bang bang, bang, bang bang, just like we do with the HBA Awards, exactly that in a way, but because of the recent announcements about the virus and the fact that you know Boris has been saying that you know this could go on for at least six months and blot out Christmas altogether, everybody 's panicking and saying, we need to do these, we need to record these and do these as virtual award ceremonies so i 've been sort of talking into microphones for hours on end, so just to be able to sit back just for an hour or so and just listen to the lovely music. Which which, which I've chosen.
0: You've chosen some beautiful songs.
1: Well, they are lovely. And wasn't that a lovely start? That's from, I can't remember the film now, it's either the Quiller Memorandum or the Ipcrest Files, and I always get it mixed up, but it's a lovely song. And do you know why I chose that? Mainly because it's the lovely singer Matt Monroe. Yeah. But also, I am a Wednesday's child. Ah, well... And Wednesday's Child, as you may know, full of woe. But I'm not today. You no. just cheered me up. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> but he's got, he's a, he's, I mean, he's a, lovely, uh, he's a lovely singer, lovely voice. He was a bus driver, mainly and originally, and then went into singing as a sort of interest or hobby, and it became his career.
0: I never knew he was a bus driver.
1: He was a bus driver. Wow. And, and with some friends, I own a number of of Rootmaster Red Bussey.
0: I know, I'm going to ask you about that after.
1: Oh, I, I, I'll keep quiet.
0: No, it's fine, you say what you want.
1: Yes, yeah, so, so we've got something in common with, uh, with, uh, with Matt Monroe. Do you
0: sing as well as him?
1: Not really, Okay. I'm <laughs> honest. No, I, I, I'm blessed, thank the Lord, with a voice that people seem to like to listen to. A bit like everybody else, though, when I hear myself back, I don't always like it, but people say nice things and I don't question it, I just keep my head down, avoid the flack, and i just get on with it, and that's Can I offer that ad- advice to you?
0: Yeah. Keep that's doing what you do.
1: Well, exactly.
0: Did you have music and radio growing up at home?
1: No, not really. I, I had a little bit of radio. And what I used to do as a kid, uh, is as if I'd been bitten by the bug very early on, but one of my brothers had uh, a reel-to-reel tape recorder, as they were in those days, a Grundig TK18, for those who uh, know their uh, tape recorder models. And I used to play with it. You could, it was, uh, was four-track, actually. It wasn't, uh, wasn't uh, two-track, but a four-track recorder. And I used to record myself reading the news out of a newspaper. how old were you? Two. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think I was about something eight or nine or something like that. But I, I just, I'd, I'd heard people doing it on the radio. I thought, I'll have a go at that. And so that's, that's when it all started. And I started doing my own little radio shows, broadcasting to myself. And to be honest, there have been times when I've done that <laughs> in, the last, in the last few years. But equally, there were times when i again, incredibly lucky, but I was broadcasting to about eight or nine million people at a time. Yeah. And that, you know, people say, well, doesn't that frighten you? Don't you get nervous? The answer is yes. Yes, you do. But you learn to control. Like, uh, like that swan, where the swan, very serene above the water, but underneath their legs are paddling away like there's no tomorrow. And, and the, thing, the, way to, the way to cope with nerves and doing all that sort of thing, daring to do live radio or television, is to think beforehand what could go wrong, because then you're not totally taken by surprise, and that's what happened when we had a, a major incident uh, at the lottery when uh, the Fathers for Justice people invaded the studio, and I had to keep talking for about three minutes to nine million people. Crikey. Imagine, imagine. Yes.
0: Your next choice is from the late and very great Gene Kelly. Tell us about Singing in the Rain.
1: I just love it. I just like it. It cheers me up. It's all. It's what, to me, what music is all about. It's a lovely movie as well and comes up in the middle of it all when you're least expecting it. And it's a beautiful sequence. You see Gene Kelly dancing it, but also, of course, over the years, we've been treated to various people including Morecambe and Wise, did a lovely, lovely, lovely version of it. But my very, very favourite is this song performed, or this dance, performed by Paddington Bear.
0: Isn't it fantastic?
1: It's beautiful. Yes. If you haven't seen it, make sure you do.
0: And, of course, the other one, and we'll talk about strictly later, uh, was a gorgeous performance with our Air Dooboo.
1: Oh, yes, uh, who I've worked with because he did the lottery for a little while. Yes. Remember that. A lovely, lovely guy, and he's got his lovely family now, and Portia is lovely wife. So let's think of all of those different people as we listen to this absolute classic.
0: I'm singing in the rain Just singing in the rain What a glorious feel And I'm happy again You know, when I see or hear Gene Kelly, he comes over as... as You'd like to think he was a really lovely man.
1: Uh, I think he probably was, you know. The thing is, he enjoyed what he was doing. People who do enjoy what they're doing come across well. Yeah. As you and I do.
0: Well, I hope so. But he always... He had this... A smile, and you can... Yes. You can hear the smile.
1: He's a happy man. Yeah.
0: Alan, you started out in the civil service. Am I allowed to ask what you did, or was it top secret?
1: I was an executive officer, that's what I did. I was in the Department of Stealth and Total, total Obscurity, uh, DH, DHSS, <laughs> social, social Security. Uh, that's what I was doing. Yeah, I didn't know what I wanted to do in life generally. I did a bit of law at Birmingham University, and in a way, I should have carried on doing that and become. I wanted to be a barrister, you see, because I wanted to dress up. I wanted that cloak. I wanted, I wanted the wig, and I wanted to put it to you, my lad. This man, Andrew, Wolf, is, is guilty. Guilty as charged. Oh, it wasn't me, Gov. It probably was, but I got, I got bitten a little bit by the radio bug. You see, along the way, because I started doing hospital radio, and that was it. I quite enjoyed it, um, and people said, "Well, you've got, uh, you got quite a nice, uh, quite a nice voice." Uh, well, and then somebody said. Might get paid for this <laughs> and that was it that was it I, uh, I wrote off to Pebble Mill at the time and said uh, you've got any jobs going I'd quite like to I didn't know anything about radio at that time other than turning a radio on and listening and they were very very kind to me uh, back in 1979 it was they wrote back to me I know that's probably you know prehistoric to you but, uh, uh, I, was, not I, was but a, I was but a lad at the time and uh, they said well look look uh, here at Pebble Mill at Radio Birmingham, we're going to. We want to take on two station assistants. They're the people who do absolutely everything: sweep the floors, uh, clean the record styluses on the on the gramophone record players, cool. as they called them, all that sort of stuff, which nobody does anymore now. But they said uh, we want to take on two. We've got a guy in London that we've got our eye on called Phil Horner. Um, he's quite. He's been doing it for Radio London for about five years, and we we'd like to take a gamble on you. And that was exactly. The sort of wording I needed because I thought I've got to show you now, I've got to make this work. Hmm. So I worked really hard uh, for me and uh, it came off. And How the, old were you? I think it was about 24 25. Right. So I wasn't, in a way, I wasn't that young because I'd already done other things. And in many ways, I'm so glad I did meet the outside world first. Yeah. before because sometimes people it's a bit like sort of people in the medical profession, they never get outside the world of academia, of school and college, and all that stuff, they never meet the real world until the very last minute, whereas I'd done a bit of that, and I thought, well, I'll try a bit of this, try a bit of that. Tried the hospital radio as a hobby, and thought, well, actually, it might be nice to be paid. So they took the gamble, and here I am, doing, still doing it. Phil himself, he sort of went into religion at one point, and I think he doesn't does any uh, broadcasting anymore. Lovely guy, and we sort of, you know, we exchange Christmas cards and still keep in touch. But, yeah, the one they were sure of didn't stay long, and the one they took a gamble on, still clinging to the wreckage.
0: And and were you presenting or were you newsreading?
1: Well, initially, I was just pressing the buttons and doing all that sort of stuff, really. Um, I was just making sure it all worked. You had to drive the sports programme on a Saturday afternoon, so you're fading up the various football grounds. Uh, You know, we're going now to Villa Park and Fred Snurge, and I had to, just as they said the guy's name, I had to shout, Go! down the line, because right. he couldn't hear what was happening at our end, because he was right in the middle of the crowd. Yeah. So only when he heard the, go, the word go from me did he start his report. So you had to do all that, and you had to make sure you didn't open the fader too early, because everybody would hear me going, go, and all <laughs> that business. So it was like, it's fairly technical and all that sort of stuff, which I didn't mind. And then about a year or two later, I, I got to present the afternoon show on one day when somebody was ill and they said, well, why don't you have a go? Just do it for you know the two hours or three hours that it was in the afternoon. So I had a little go, had myself a little go and uh, it was fine, it went very well. I played music and all that sort of stuff and then I just worked my way up slowly and again, you know, given the pace of life and all the rest of it, I'm glad I did all that. I'd worked my way up, up slowly, and I learned every bit of the trade, so I knew how everything worked and why it worked. Because some people now sort of drift into these things, and not really sure how it all works. But I spent my time... Because uh, otherwise, you get to the top, or near the top, or whatever too soon yeah. and then you think well what else am I going to do You know, some of the people I, I sort of work with occasionally when I go into broadcasting house or into recording studios in London they're, they're pretty you know they're really good people and at the top but they're only 22 or something well what are you going to do you're going to be working for another 40 years so what are you going to do so I, I paced myself in a nice well I didn't do it myself but you know the way I, I clawed my way to the top is nice and slowly, and took it a stage at a time, and it, it, it sort of worked. But
0: unfortunately, it's, it's very easy these days with programmes like X Factor, etc., to become an overnight success. And you don't... You don't, you know, I remember Sting telling a story where they were trying to break America, the police, and they were playing clubs with half a dozen people in them, but yeah. they continued to play them. And the kids, these days, they don't have... It's very easy to become a star now.
1: But only for 15 minutes. You've yeah. 15 minutes, you see, and you do all that. What do you do after the 15 minutes? What are you going to do next? What's next? Because not many people carry on doing those things forever and a day, because what tends to happen now is that you fall out of favour, or new people... All the time, all the time, people are coming up behind you with even more talent and different acts and different things like that. So it is is tricky, and I've, you know, in many ways, without blowing my own trumpet, I've done well to survive... So far, but uh, you know, it's just by, it's just, and also, it's just, it's a lot of other things besides. It's being nice to people. It's turning up on time, yeah. and not being late. It's preparing for stuff. As I say, think about what could go wrong. It's all those things. It's just making sure that you're not annoying people, and that you're doing everything you can for them. And it, it does pay off in the end. It's it may sound boring and twee, but actually, in the end, people value that because you know you can you learn the skills to go in and do something like reading the news. And you do it first time. They think, you know, that, not 16 takes later. They want people who can do it and do it with confidence. And, and a lot of it is just born of experience. Just get the experience under your belt and then you find the doors open like there's no tomorrow. But otherwise, yes, you're famous, massively famous, but only for 15 minutes mm. and then you're gone.
0: And at what stage did the people start coming to you to use you as a voiceover artist?
1: Well, again, I had to tour of... I had to sell myself a little bit on that front, because I'd been doing Radio 2. I did Radio Birmingham first, then I went to Radio Devon in Exeter and Plymouth for a few more years there, and I joined Radio 2 in 87. I went on attachment where you try the job in 85, but I actually joined them properly in 87. And shortly after that, I knew that one of the other things you could do to fill out the time because eight hours of working isn't enough for me. I need more than that. <laughs> um, and I, I approached the people at uh, BBC Television uh, because they were looking for voices to, uh, to voice trails. So for quite a few years, I managed to get into your brain and everybody else's brain. They didn't know it was me, but it was me going, Thursday night on BBC One begins with Top of the Pops. Then at 7.30, there's Trouble at the Queen Vic in East End. <laughs> <laughs> and I did all those sort of menu things. They were called menus. Yeah. And you, ha- you had to get ten seconds of words into only five, a five-second gap. So it was really, it was that fast. And with international show jumping at 11.45, that's Thursday night on BBC One.
0: Brilliant. I never knew, I, now it's coming back to me.
1: <laughs> yeah, no, it will. Because I, I was doing it, I did it for about three or four years. And I was on, in some form or other, every night you would go in and record perhaps a couple of nights' work, but those trails would be spread across the whole week because yeah. you did the tonight version, the tomorrow at 8.30, next week, and all that. So you voice yeah. kept appearing. Uh, so I was very lucky. I was, but then you make your own luck. I sent off a VHS, and eventually somebody pulled it out of the cupboard and said, let's try this bloke. So I was very lucky. Again, you make your own. You've got to look around and see what else could I do. What might I like to try, and all that. And and in a way, the BBC is very good at that. It will let you try other jobs. So uh, I got my uh, I got my gob noticed there. So (laughs) I was uh, I was very lucky.
0: Tell me about your third choice, which I'm not even going to attempt to say out loud. Only that it's the London Symphony Orchestra.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it's a lovely bit of music. Again, it's just trying to illustrate what music can do. Basically, because this is this is very clever. It's a very pretty little tune. I've, I've got all of this is 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 while I'm trying to establish what are my eight desert island discs, and I think as I think I told you weeks ago. I've got it down to about 33 or 34 (laughs) now. It's so difficult. It's so difficult. How do you choose? I don't know how people who go on that programme on Radio 4, I don't know how they manage it, but you choose eight pieces of music and a luxury and a book, that sort of thing. And I can't get it down to eight to save my life. I get people
0: struggling on this show.
1: Well, I'm not surprised. I'm not surprised. But, however, I did choose this one because it's a little bit of classical music. I'm not the greatest uh, classical music fan, and most of the classical pieces of music that I know and... Love and listen to are standards as we would call them mm. it's pieces that people know, but this isn't one this this I saw on a TV channel that was called the Landscape Channel many years ago. It used to appear on ITV when they were not doing things when they used to show the test card and stuff like that yeah that one of the channels they showed was called the Landscape Channel, and they used this <coughs> for a film that they made of a windmill, and it 's exactly what the music Illustrates The windmill was the Jack windmill in Sussex. And what you will hear is the music builds and the, the, the wheel, uh, the windmill starts turning. And then in the middle of it, the wind drops. And you can hear the music. You can hear the music. It's The music is searching for the wind. And then a little bit further on, it hits the wind. The wind picks up and the tune continues again. So have a listen to it. It's called, it's a piece by Bizet and it's called La Lésienne Suite, number one. And it's, for me, illustrates music portraying, if you like, a windmill catching the wind.
0: Alan Dedico's third choice on this edition of music was My First Love from the London Symphony Orchestra. Do you want to tell us again what it was called?
1: That's only because you can't. Uh, Well, I'm uh... just,
0: I want the guest to talk, honestly.
1: (laughs) (laughs) La lesienne Suite. I don't know what it means, no. uh, it's, uh, but it's, uh, it's a lovely bit of music. You can hear it just goes totally quiet yes. and stops when the wind drops, and then all of a sudden you hear the tune coming back as the wind reappears and the, and the windmill cheers up and we're off again. It's all very lovely.
0: How did you get involved with the Hospital Broadcasting Association?
1: Uh, that's a very good question. A very good question. I, I, I suppose I was approached by a lady called June Snowden, who's been sort of running it for since when God was a boy (laughs) and I think she persuaded me she'd sort of seen that I was cropping up as presidents and all the rest of it at various stations I'm linked with I'm not linked with yours, strangely enough. Unless well, We need to put that right Yes, because right. yes. I'm collecting them, I'm collecting them. But there's HRB, Bedside in Bournemouth, yeah. um, the one in Reading, I'm part of uh, that, I'm involved in that one. And uh, at uh, Hospital Radio in York, I'm something, uh, I need a uniform and a peaked cap when I go to York to show them that <laughs> I, am the, I am the boss. But no, I, I sort of, uh, if somebody wants a patron or a little bit of help or something like that, just a, a name of sorts, then I'm more than happy to lend my name to... Organisations and I run little quizzes as well. So I come around and I, you know, raise a bit of money. And if that can raise, you know, 500, 600 pounds yeah. or whatever in an evening, every little helps because it's all done by as, as a charity venture.
0: We were chatting off air before we started that you, you attend the awards every year.
1: I try to, yeah, I try to. It depends where they are because they can, they move around a bit. But uh, they were going to be in Bolton again, I think, this year, weren't they? I was yeah, going to go to uh, Bolton, but it was not to be as such. They, they were done online, the awards themselves. But I I just yeah it's a chance to get together and we can just talk about you know uh, I sometimes just sit and witter to people and say how I got into radio and television and pass on uh, any knowledge and experience that I can it's uh, it's not easy any of this
0: no it's not but <laughs> I, I think you should know that you are actually taking part in the 2020 award-winning music was my first love um, uh, I? yes we you announced us online for the best promotional package for series one
1: you see? I, I forget. There's so, many, there's so many names and people to remember. Now it will stick in my craw, in my mind, <laughs> um, the, uh, the fact that I'm uh, very, very closely associated. With, and uh, it sounds like four or five hours of output uh, we're going to report, uh, record tonight. But, uh, yeah, it's... Um, no, it's good. I, you know, I will. Uh, I'll be a lot friendlier to you in future.
0: Oh, bless you. Your uh, your next choice, Alan, from nineteen seventy five, is from an English singer songwriter and music executive who was the original persona. Um, did you know of Alvin Stardust?
1: Well, to be honest, yes, I've seen pictures of him, and he does look like it as well. Peter Shelley is uh, is who we're talking about, and I pick it because when I did hospital radio at BHBN, the Birmingham Hospital Broadcasting Network, at the County Cricket Ground at Edgbaston. It was one of the first records I introduced. Love Me, Love My Dog. Love me, love my dog If you can understand Then we'll head up land When was that from,
0: Andrew? I, I don't know the year, but it was 1970s, because I have, a, I have a memory of seeing it on Top of the Pops.
1: Because that sort of pinpoints... When I started uh, the radio generally, I think, with hospital radio. 75, that would have been. 75, because I remember, I also uh, remember 76 was the time, what was it, uh, 10cc. The Things We Do For Love and all that sort of yeah. stuff was around 75, 76. So that would have been, and it, it was definitely around that time that I, uh, that I was doing hospital radio. So yeah, that's a long time
0: ago. But it's very 1970s, that song.
1: <laughs> Yeah, all right, all right. Don't go on. About it. Uh, <laughs> drag that up if you don't mind. But uh, yeah, lovely. Peter Shelley, love me, love my dog. And that was the th- I did a request pro, like we all do in the hospital radio. And you go out, you gather the, uh, you gather the request. And I think you know that was a, such a good thing that I did really, because by nature I am shy. I know it sounds ridiculous, and when I do this sort of thing, it brings it out of me, uh, and I just talk for talking's sake. And I love talking about what I do and my job and all that sort of stuff. But if you meet me in the street, I am incredibly shy and I don't really want people talking to me and I don't want people taking pictures and all that stuff. But I do it because it's good for me. Because hmm. if I hadn't done it, I would have been terribly sheepish for the rest of my life. So it brings, it brings you out of yourself. It's a, it's, a, it's a good thing. And you meet people, not only the people at the radio station, but in the hospitals. You have to go and meet people who are not that well. And you're trying to persuade them to, uh, to A, cheer up, B, pick a record, and C, be part of all this fun and games that you play on the radio. We had, we had great, we, I did Wednesday nights, you sort of, in this business generally, you try and adopt a night if you like, night you can do and we had a great crew. And the people, you know, two or three people that I worked with then, I say it worked, it wasn't really work two, two of the people I enjoyed my hobby with then, I still see, I still see on a regular basis. And here we are 30, 40 years later and still enjoying each other's company. We had great nights, we had a phone in, personal call it was called, around about 8.15 of a night, which went to 9.30, 9.45, it was going well. And it was just so much fun and the radio can be that much fun, that's the whole point of it. It's better than television in a way, Because television is a little bit big and unwieldy and you've got to tell a director what you want to do Hmm. next, you can't do anything, you know, on the spur of the moment. Whereas, as you and I can now say, with some conviction, you can turn up how you like. You know, I mean, look at the state of you. I oh, know, I'm, I'm embarrassed. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. <laughs> so you should be. So you should be. You knew I was coming. Well, at least I put a shirt on. Well, yes, I mean, just. Yeah, no trousers. <laughs> but I have, got, I have got a shirt on. But it's true, the radio, it doesn't... Because, you You know, there are no pictures. They can't see what you look like. So you can just be yourself. But... Equally, if you are not being yourself, you'll soon be found out, because you can't pretend to be somebody you're not for too long. No, something will catch you out. Somebody will catch you out, and somebody will say, "That's not like that's not you at all." What are you talking about? I've I've met you before, and you don't sound like that. So, in the end, yeah, anybody who wants to get into this, just for a hobby or for the fun of it, uh, let alone work in it, I would always say, be yourself. Just be yourself. Calm down. Be yourself. Be nice. Be nice to people. That's what my mother told me. She was so right. And all that sort of stuff. So, you know, don't pretend to be somebody you're not. Some people do and it works for them, but it doesn't work for me, I'm
0: it's interesting that you say about being shy. I I, I wouldn't say Are you I'm shy. No, Nature? but since I've been doing this, which doing my own programmes will be two years next January, I sense that I'm different in public now. Uh, I always had, I was always happy was to talk and make people laugh, but yes, it's added to a confidence that for various reasons I lost for a few years.
1: Yeah, you see, that's that's not a bad thing, because I knew I didn't have any of that. I couldn't do any of this. I couldn't sit and talk to people like I'm talking to you, although it's a bit easier with you. Well. You know, you know what you're doing. Yeah, probably. thank you. And, uh, and and you put me at ease at the beginning, which is why we had a little chat before, if people saying, oh... They chatted beforehand. Yes, we were we were tweaking buttons, and setting things up, and all that sort of stuff. And I was sitting down and all the rest of it. Uh, and you do, and that's what. But that's what you do in real life. You talk to somebody before you then launch into telling them about yourself. Um, so yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm hugely grateful to broadcasting. But I'm equally aware that there are times when I'm, I'm a, a, i I live in Northwest London, and when I shut my front door, I'm shutting my shutting my door on the on the world. Because I love my own company.
0: So are there two Alan Dedicates?
1: A little bit, yeah. I think, uh, yes, I think I have a problem. Thank you for that. <laughs> uh, I think there's something like that. Yeah, but There's a very private me, yeah, yeah. yeah, where I just want my own. And it is my own company. I, I, you know, I've, had, uh, I've had various people, friends along the way, and all the rest of it. But I've always lived. I love people's company, and I've got lots of friends, and I know where I can go, even in the block of flats. That I live in, I, there are neighbours that I dine with up on the, Harrow on the Hill and places like that. We have great fun, but at the end of the day, I just want a bit of privacy and my own time and space. Yeah, it's not always tidy, but it suits me, and uh, and I love all that. And I've got I've got um fam. I like family time as well. I'll go and see my family every now and again. They're mainly in the Midlands which is where I'm from. I'm from Worcestershire. I'm mm-hmm. uh, just south Birmingham. That sort of area. And, uh, yeah, I set aside time for my family, for example. I, uh, my phone, you know, people people ring me late at night and I get very angry about people sending me texts and stuff like that. And they say, well, why don't you turn your phone off? Well, I bought my phone for my use, not yours. And and the thing is, I like my phone by myself. In case my brother falls in, my sister falls mm-hmm. in, anybody in the family, I want them to be able to get hold of me. So I want my phone for my use. So uh, they get ticked off basically so there are yeah there are things that i do that are very very much me but i'm not I, the thing i'm not is moody despite what just, despite my rant just <laughs> i'm not but i and i think that's i think that's all part of it that does keep you well balanced i'm not a great fan of social media i have to say because i think i from what i see there's a lot of bullying on there i do a little bit of tweeting i look at instagram and all sorts of things like that <clears throat> but uh, it's just—it's not—it it doesn't. A lot of it doesn't come across as friendly to me.
0: There's a lot of negativity on uh, social media. People
1: being smart, Alex, and putting you down, and oh no, it isn't. This is what it is, and all that stuff. And people are sitting on the end of Wikipedia all day long, and we can all be smart, Alex and Knowles, doing that. But just be nice. Hmm. Treat people nicely. But there are some. Sometimes I see stuff about friends and people I work with, and you think, well, you'd never say that to their faces. So, I, I, yeah, I'm, I've got mixed feelings about... Um, Treat
0: people how you expect to be treated. Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: Things like Facebook, for example, I think are brilliant, brilliant. If you have family in Australia and you want to keep in touch with them and see your grandchildren grow or whatever, mm. um, and, and, that, and they're great, it's great for that. But it's just when people start exchanging insults and all sorts of stuff and you think, it's not really nice, is it? It's not no. the nice thing to do. No. So anyway, so I'll keep my head down.
0: Your next choice, Alan, is something I've never heard of, actually, and I'm looking forward to you telling me about them, the Devon General song from Kelly Quarry Blasters.
1: The Kelly... Ah, the KQBs, the Kelly Quarry Blasters. This is just a a little memory for me. Um, The station I went to after Radio Birmingham at Pebble Mill was Radio Devon, and as I mentioned earlier, I based myself first in Plymouth, and then I moved up to Exeter. What a lovely, lovely part of the world. I know you are in in South Wales. That's a nice part of the world as well, but Devon and Cornwall are so beautiful. Cornwall, in some ways, for me, is a little bit too far. Um, I I liked to be nearer to civilisation by an hour or so, Uh, but it's just a lovely part of the world, and they mentioned some lovely place names. I spent three or four years down there and had a great time. I presented the breakfast show for, for quite a while there alongside the lovely Jill Dando. Oh. Exactly, whose company you know I still miss to this day. Um, I even appeared on her "This Is Your Life" with Michael Aspon yeah. I've done three of those. I can't remember how many you've done, Andrew. Just remind me again none <laughs> <So the> thing, <laughs> what is this
0: top trumps <laughs> it is it is
1: but the, but that one was such a lovely one to do the yeah others that i did were for, um, for for lottery chums but uh, i did appear and spoke on the jill Dando. and and still very much missed yeah uh, very uh, all very very strange circumstances but the place itself is just beautiful and every now and again uh, we we get together again this is 30 some odd years after we worked together in Devon but every now and again uh, and we've just cancelled one because of the uh, the virus uh, but so we'll, it'll happen again next year we're going to do it electronically this year but 30 or 40 of us gather together from a radio station that we worked on in the middle of nowhere in respects because it's just, you know, it's the moors and the tours and all that sort of stuff the county is 70 miles by 70 but we thought nothing of driving from one end of the county to uh, to go and see the theatre or, or have a meal or anything like that. Just a lovely community atmosphere. And, yeah, so we still meet on, about 30 or 40 of us from 30 years ago. That's real friendship. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah, and there are people like David Willis, who does uh, BBC News every now and again yeah. from, from Los Angeles, and because he was, he was with us uh, doing that. All sorts of people worked at Radio Devon. And we used to get um, the, the Kelly Quarry Blasters, if we ever did... An outside broadcast or uh, some form of entertainment. We always got these guys in. They were just folk musicians par excellence. They were absolutely superb. And this sort of captures some of the uh, the place names from around there. And it talks about, again, my interest in buses. The Devon General. Devon General was the bus company around that area, and they used to go to all sorts of different places. Take a look around you, and you will know find. You are not mistaken, There's only two of I Absolutely fantastic. Five minutes and about three seconds of a piece of music that Radio 4 used to open with in the morning. I'd be driving along the A40, heading in towards Broadcasting House for a morning with uh, T. Wogan esquire oh god i was so lucky i got 20 years or so with that man i gave, I gave 20 years of my life to that man but it was uh, it was well worth it and what i used to do andrew is I used, to, I used to sing along to that as and it used to get the old throat going get everything moving yeah. get the phlegm moving and all that sort of stuff because you got in it we got royal britannia you got green sleeves scotland the brave was in there, london derriere and of course of course men of Harlem of course uh, and lots of others early one morning just as the sun was rising and if you sing along to that for five minutes first thing in the morning it does get everything moving and it certainly uh, wakes you up and it puts you in a good mood and it's, it's patriotic I think British Airways should be made made to play it as they come in on yep. the final few miles into Heathrow or whatever because it's just a lovely piece of music written by a guy called Fritz Spiegel who's from Liverpool I think amongst other places um, a very and, uh, scouse a name <laughs> Right there, right there, lah. Fritz Spiegel. Uh, yes, but uh, that's where he live there, so I can't, can't help that. Um, but um, no, beautiful bit of music. Had to be remixed at one point, I think, because um, the people in Scotland didn't feel that Scotland the Brave was loud enough. So he remixed it for them, mm-hmm. to make sure that uh, the, the song came out stronger. But it covers all, you know, the four countries that make up the United Kingdom. So, you know, just a lovely way, a lovely way to start your day.
0: Your timing is perfect because while I've got you here I wanted to talk with you about the late and very much missed Terry Wogan I I think the country was completely shocked by his death because as fans all we really knew was that he had a bad back that caused him to pull out of children in need and I think many still mourn and miss him today now there were some wonderful tributes in the days that followed I thought that Chris's breakfast show, and there was a lot of pressure on him because it had to be brilliant, and it was brilliant. And he always said he was only looking after the show for for Terry. And also, uh, that evening was a brilliant edition of The One Show, which you were on, which Lynn Bowles was on, uh, yes, Graham Bowles. Norton, Chris Evans. One of yours. One of, yours, one of ours, yeah. Um, and the one thing that came over from The One Show, which is what I wanted to ask you about, was that the Terry Wogan that... I heard when the studio mic went red and the Terry I saw when the TV camera light went on was the same Terry Wogan that you knew when the lights were off that you would spend time with at his house with Lady Wogan. Is that a fair interpretation of the man?
1: Absol- yeah, absolutely. Spot on. What you saw is what you got. I loved him for that. I, there was no side to him. He was just so genuine. If anything, he was a little bit to off air. <laughs> um, but... Um, <laughs> But he, he never changed. He didn't put it on. That's what I mean again about a classic example of uh, of being yourself. He was a very clever man. He was very well read. But he never pushed that down your throat. Every now and again he'd come out with a quote on the on the breakfast show. And you'd be taken about. You'd think, well, how do you know that? Well, because he was properly educated by the Jesuits mm-hmm. in um, in Ireland, just outside Dublin area. And uh, But he he was just nice to everybody. And therefore he could mix and talk to everybody. That's why he was good as a chat show host, and it went on for, for so many years. Yeah. He was just... He put you at ease totally, whoever you were. And you would walk down Great Portland Street, outside Broadcasting House with him, and uh, everybody, everybody, but everybody said hello. They, they just felt... They knew him. He just felt he was part of the family. So you'd get builders, All right, tell! And all that. So, and he was just... And he would always wave. He was just... That was just part of him. Again, I think he was a little shy about that, because the, on one occasion he did say to me in front of lady helen that uh, you know he found it a little bit um, overpowering sometimes and i did remind him that you know if that ever stopped that was the time to worry because nobody knew who he was it was the fact that you know, everybody as i say felt he was he was he came into people's homes he was part of the family and he was always welcome and he was never unpleasant about anybody which was just uh, excellent and are you
0: still in touch with who he referred to as the present mrs wobin
1: Occasionally, yeah, we we, we, I don't see quite as obviously quite as much, if anything. I see the boys. I see um, Alan and Mark working more often because they go to some of the events. Because um, certainly, Mark is in the food and restaurant business, and when I go to do some of the award shows, one or the other, or sometimes both, turn up. And uh, yeah, it's great to see them. It's great to see them. But yeah, we're not quite as close as we were. Um, I think partly because I think uh, Lady Helen spends a lot of time. They had a place in, in France. And I think, uh, you know, she spends uh, a lot of time... She loved that place. And uh, I think she spends a lot of time down there now. She was slightly older, strangely. Oh, really? I uh, did not know. Yeah, I I did describe him as a cradle snatcher. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Was it a wrench for him to give up the breakfast show, do you think? I mean, it was his call, but...
1: It was his call and And, and he was gonna
0: give up a year early, wasn't it? But they, they wanted Chris Evans but didn't think he was ready yet or something.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think that was that was part of it if, if he was being groomed at all in that sense. But I think I think the thing is Terry wanted to go when the time was right. Mm. And what he didn't want to do was stay until an act stay is welcome if you like, and then the audience start to slide away or he doesn't get so interested in it and all the rest of it. I think he wanted to leave on a heart. And that is exactly what he did. He did. And he didn't, he didn't just rush off and disappear. He went off. He did, he did a Sunday show, a lovely Sunday show, which used people, guests at the radio theatre. Um, so, yeah, I think, uh, I think he got the timing right for him. But, of course, in the end, we knew he could have done another five or six years. But that's just purely selfish on our point, because, from our point of view, because we were so lucky. We'd had 20-some-odd years, hmm. 30 years of the man uh, being on our television. I didn't come to him until... You'll remember he did radio two years and years ago. Yes. Then he did television for quite a number of years, ten years or so, and then came back to radio, which a lot of people said was a brave thing to do, because it's like taking a step back. But it's not, it's not, because you're still in touch with him and he still did the show superbly. And he had some great producers, including the late, great Paul. Oh, another, yeah. Lovely, lovely friend of mine, I have to say, um, was a delight. A delight to work and and live with. We were great friends. We used to. It wasn't very far from me where I where I live now. Funny man as we to, well. Yeah, and we used to just go around and watch films and stuff and just have yeah, very very funny man. Um, but he, all of those things. But uh, it was just it was just an absolute delight to have been part of his life and for for him to be part of ours. And it's it's such a long time, thirty some odd years. So mm. I came to him. I came to him. Late, because I joined him on that show when he came back to radio. Earlier than that, when I went on attachment, doing the job, sampling the job at Radio 2 in 85, I used to do, I did the night shifts when I did my attachment, which is where you try and see how you get on with the job. I yeah. did night shifts. They got me in to do summer relief for the staff announcers. They said, you co- if, if you're happy to come and do the night, you can come and do the nights and see what it's like. And then it means we, you know, we can go on holiday in the summer and all that stuff. You can come and join us which I did uh, but what I used to do is I used to do the shift finish it uh, about half five, six o'clock and I used to rush back to the flat that I was staying in in Queen's Park and I used to just listen to the likes of Ray Moore and Terry Wogan, mm-hmm. uh, and you know I'd only get to sleep at about half nine when Terry finished. So it, so it was just an absolute uh, absolute delight um, to be part of all that I was so lucky and then we had a um, he they changed the format of the show slightly, and he, instead of having different announcers every day, he wanted to have one for the whole week. And then you did, and uh, you know somebody else did. John Marsh did uh, one yeah. week's Fran, and that we had six to start with. We got down to just two or three that he sort of handpicked over the years. But yes, I mean he uh, he was just and so kind. You would go round to his house on I well, I don't say this just to show off, but it, just to show how generous he was. You'd go round, but it wasn't just it wasn't just people from the radio. It was he'd have his gardener um, round the dinner table, lunch table. They had a massive table, uh, a bit like a banqueting table. Terry at one end joshing around, Lady Helen at the other telling us what the food was, because she'd prepared most of it, which was fantastic, because she loved entertaining. And then I'd be sitting opposite somebody who they used to go on holiday with, or his uh, his dentist, or his uh, his doctor who used to work on his knee and all that stuff. He had a gammy knee and all that stuff. so. You know, had to get that hoovered out, all the uh, bits of cartilage and all that stuff, which you would be treated to all the detail of over lunch and night. <laughs> uh, but it was just, you know, he, he liked thanking people. And in fact, that carried through to... Um, I was very lucky, unbelievably lucky, to be invited to, to his funeral. Not, not just the Thanksgiving service at Westminster Abbey, but the actual funeral. There yeah. were only about four or five of us. In that funeral, there were about 60, 70 people in the church... But only four or five or six people from broadcasting. Right. And that tells, that speaks for Yes. Yeah. Because he valued his family. His family were there in full, brought over from Ireland, some of them, friends and contacts. Broadcasting, unbelievably small part of his private life. And that I've never forgotten that. I thought, any I'm only one of, you know, there was Alan Boyd. Uh, one or two others, uh, Peter Alice, the golfer. Yeah. But otherwise, from broadcasting, hardly anybody. And I, I was unbelie I was honoured, and uh, it was lovely to be part of the um, you know saying goodbye to him. And there were some great stories told on that day. I have to say, and it was not all sad. There were a lot of laughs, and, and it was just a lovely One of the best, if you could say it, best, one of the best I've been to. I know what you mean. Um, and, and and the wake afterwards and all that stuff was just so great.
0: And I positive. suspect the only thing missing, now oh, this is going to sound a strange thing to say, but yeah, we'll say it, the only so. thing missing from the wake, with all the chat and the laughter, would have been him.
1: Would have been him, yeah. yeah. But he, he was the subject of a lot of the, the talk, so that was the main thing. I know what you mean, though, yes. Yeah, but talking he, about he, his... I, I think I've said it before, he would have loved it.
0: Yeah, yeah, but talking about his warmth, there was a lovely little story that Graham Norton told on that one show when he got the Eurovision gig.
1: Yes.
0: Terry found his number from someone and rang him just to wish him good luck. He didn't have to go to that effort.
1: No, no, he didn't. No, not his, not his job at all or anything like that. That would have been a producer to to make sure that that Graham had got everything he needed and and all that stuff. But no, that is exactly the sort of person he had in his mind that uh, Graham would have been thinking, Oh God, what do I do? What do I say? And isn't it between is it around song nine that you have to uh, Yeah, have to, have to have a drink There's a reference to it because yep. that's when they used to uh, open the bottles. Yeah, he
0: he <laughs> said he said to Graham Norton don't have a drink before song nine. That's right. That's right.
1: That's right. And it was Baileys, the Baileys they Baileys uh, they used to take a bottle uh, of that was the uh, producer Paulie always had to take a bottle of Baileys to the Eurovision because that's when they started uh, necking the Baileys. Much missed. Yeah, exactly Well, both of them. Yeah. From, uh, from the
0: So while speaking of uh, Tay Wogan, we arrive rather aptly at your seventh choice on this edition of Music Was My First Love, one of Terry's all-time favourites, Home Thoughts From
1: Abroad" by Clifford T. Ward. He really liked this, didn't he? Yes, he did, he did. I have chosen it partly for that reason, because there's a bit of a slightly sad story to uh, to Clifford T. Ward. He was from Worcestershire, and so am I. Right. Uh, And uh, he lived not far from me, sort of kidderminster way, Uh, and I was born in a place called Hollywood. Uh, strangely enough which is near sort of Redditch Bromsgrove around that sort of area and uh, it's a lovely lovely part of the world and this this guy Clifford T. Ward was a teacher played some lovely music with his guitar and lovely songs he wrote beautiful songs that told lovely stories. We used to play this particular track quite a bit. There's a little bit of a strange thing right at the very beginning. You can hear a taxi breaking through on the recording. We always used to make reference to that in some way or other. But it was just a lovely, lovely song. And and you just, I always think to myself when I hear it, how it must have been a a dare or something, or a bet, that he couldn't get Worcestershire into a song, because he does. You'll hear it uh, in a moment or two. He died early of pneumonia, it was all a very sad story but the memory lingers on uh, as indeed it does with a lot of Terry stuff, uh, we can still look back isn't that the joy of recordings yeah. and stuff like that they, people never really die in your memory they keep going, especially with songs like this, Home Thoughts from abroad I miss you I miss you I really so happy memories then, Alan? Oh yes, oh yeah. yes, yes. I've, I've been unbelievably lucky, I have to say. I mean, some of, the, some of the other people I've met along the way, certainly as far as the Wogan show is concerned, some of the people who did Pause the Thought, for example, I got on really well with. Um, Roger Royal, I still see from time to time. <laughs> 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 That's the generally the noise he makes. Um, and Rob Gillian, Rob Gillian was one of the... Uh, he he um, was one of the vicars who came in uh, and And I'm not the greatest religious person But I, I, I conduct my own form of religion, which is do as you would be done by, just be nice to people mm-hmm. and I sort of think that's my religion and I stick to it. Um, but I, I you know we just hit it off, we're just so friendly and I went out to see him and his wife in Australia. year before last I went out to Melbourne and uh, we drove five hours into the outback and that was where his parish was at the time. He'd become a bishop. Um, he went out to Australia because his son lives in Sydney, but uh, he found a job. In the middle of nowhere, we were there. I remember looking at the dashboard on his car. It was saying 47 degrees. And, you know, we were surrounded by uh, kangaroos and all sorts of stuff. And his parish was the size of England, Scotland and Wales put together. Oh, good grief. And he used to fly around it. So you've got, in Australia, you've got the flying doctor. Yeah. And the flying bishop. <laughs> and uh, it was just, it was, and I, and I uh, you know, I attended uh, one or two services. Um, and I did my bit, I took part, and all the rest of it, and on the first one he said, ladies and gentlemen, I'm, I'm sorry I'm a little hoarse this morning, but I blame that man over there, and he pointed me out, singled me out in the congregation, and he said, because, you know, from the minute I picked him up in Melbourne to the minute we got here, five hours, we were talking and talking and <laughs> talking, and it was true, a lot of catching up to do, yeah. back in Britain now, he's did his five years as a bishop, but... Uh, but you know, you, I just made so many, so many great friends along the way.
0: And of course, you, you went to work a few years ago uh, with a former colleague on the same show with um, Fran Goffrey
1: Yes, the lovely Fran, the lovely Francis, the fragrant Fran. She uh, works now on um, Mellow Magic, yeah, uh, a digital station, and I do that occasionally, every now and again, um, uh, not during the uh, during lockdown or anything, but before that, when the studios were open and she wasn't doing it from home. Because I haven't got the kit here, where I am, to do all that sort of stuff. Uh, as such, I can do voice work, but I can't play music. And uh, I've got a hundred thousand computers. that mm. you, need. you need two or three to to be able to do it, but they've all got them now. So, you know, if necessary, I'll uh, I'll be given all that at some point. But it took us all such by shock really, yeah. at the end of March. But I do like that. Every now and again, I sit in a radio studio, and uh, I'm in uh, a place called Golden Square. Golden Square, just off, just off Piccadilly, it is, where Bauer the radio station company, uh, have their premises. And there are about 20-odd stations operating out of that building. And I sit uh, in a studio, and just just behind me are um, Harriet Scott and Ronan Keating, and about five or six producers. And then in the next studio, little me. Mm -hmm. On on my own. Uh, Because you you can do it on your own. You don't need anybody else, really. (laughs) But they do a show that involves what's called a zoo format. Uh, because they make animal noises from beginning to end, and <laughs> but uh, but I don't. I just play nice tunes, and I uh, I just do what I'm doing now, which is just rabbiting on endlessly. But all you got to do is play nice tunes, tell them what the time is, read the news. I do the travel as well, and I do all that sort of stuff. So, um, yeah, So, and I enjoy it. But just every now and again, just to give Fran a, a bit of a break.
0: Your next choice, I guess, also links to Terry. Tell me about Katie Melua and Eva Cassidy's version
1: of Wonderful World. This is picked, really, because it's both Katie Melua and Eva Cassidy together, isn't it? And it's just, it's just cleverly done. And he championed and course, them both. Yes, he did. Eva Cassidy had died. Yeah. Uh, at the point where he sort of picked up her music and thought, this is actually quite good. So he started playing that. Then he discovered Katie Melua as well. He and Paulie discovered uh, Katie Melua. And what Katie Melua then did was was uh, do a little um, duet with the Eva Cassidy version of the song. And, he, and I thought, well, that's a bit strange. But actually, it works really it well. It does work very well, yeah. Um, and it, and it's, it's it's very, very clever. But it just, it just, you know, it's so And Katie Melua is such a. Such a nice person. I was very lucky, again, luck, as luck would have it, I was able to go out and see her when she was trying to break into America. She went to Boston uh, at the time, and Mike Bat was her producer then. And he said, why oh, don't you come out? And uh, so I did, I did. I paid for myself, uh, on the f- pay for the flight anyway, and uh, went to, uh, to see her in Boston with Paulie. We just went out, we went to see the uh, the Cheers bar as well, and we did all the stuff. It's only for a few days but we did it and uh, it was great fun so it's, it's, it's a lovely song it just reminds me of, of, of the fact that you know this guy and his producer discovered talent and they listened to good things and uh, I'm not a great uh, you know music aficionado I don't know that much about it I know what I like and I know what I don't mm-hmm. like, but they did and they sort of steered me in the direction of various things and this was one of them what a wonderful world Katie Melua and Eva Kessler What a one.
0: Has the art of radio news reading changed since you started?
1: Um, I think it it may have done a little bit. Uh, Certainly, the art of announcing—I think—which is not just the news reading, but the bits in between the programmes. I mean, it's begun. It's become a bit more regional now. Um, There's uh, a requirement. uh, There's no requirement for masses of experience, but um, it's just that the emphasis has changed. I think. Uh, broadcasting generally has the, the landscape has changed. They're trying to chase an audience that isn't necessarily there. They're trying to trying to pursue younger people who may not be that interested in in television or indeed in radio because now the internet is the thing. There's too much other stuff for them now? Well, there's a lot of other stuff. There's a lot of, and I, I don't blame anybody for that. I'm just so glad that. You know, when I was around, when I was doing it, it was, it, was, it, was, it was mainstream television and radio that I was involved with, so I was, I was very, very lucky. So, yeah, things change. Nothing, nothing stays the same. No. That's the thing to remember.
0: I mean, if you, look at, if you look at TV news reading, when I was growing up, there's no way they would have had Hugh Edwards reading the, the 9 o'clock news as it was then.
1: Who is, I have to say, a very nice man. I do know him. I'm sure. Sh- uh, we have lunches every now and again. Uh, because he does the corporate events that I do. So right. We meet, we meet when we're in uh, dining rooms like the Grosvenor Square. Yeah, um, Grosvenor know. House down uh, Park Lane. That's what I'm trying to think of. Uh, there, they've got the great room, uh, which takes you know nearly two thousand people. And so he will come, and he will he'll be on the stage. I'll be uh, up on the balcony reading out the nominations for such and such an awards. And so you do get to see them, and you dine with them and all the rest of it, and it's it's great fun, you get to know them. It's a bit Welsh for me, but... I do say that to his face.
0: You're I mean, sailing you close know. to the wind, sir. I know,
1: I, know, I thought I might. <laughs> but he's so good about it, he just smiles broadly. Now, somebody...
0: And it... Somebody making their debut on music was my first love. Noel Coward for your penultimate choice. There are bad times just around the corner.
1: This this is just a little bit of nonsense. This um, it's quite funny though and cheers me up. It's uh, we must say this is from a different era. Uh, Before you start, you must don't complain. It's from a different era, and we're just diving into the past here. Now, these are not necessarily my views, all those of Andrew or Radio Glamorgan, none of that. Uh, but it, it's just a little bit of nonsense. It's the reverse of what we normally expect. Everybody, all songs generally about being cheerful and happy and all that stuff. This isn't, this isn't, but it's great fun. And then when we've done that, we'll, we'll sort of, uh, we'll talk a little bit about Strictly, if you like. Uh, that's on stuff, the list. Stuff I'm, stuff I'm doing currently and all that. I'm just aware we're nearing the end. We, we are, I know. We've been going for nearly two hours doing this. But, yes, so let's have a little bit of fun. Let's lift our spirits, everybody, a different ear. This is from the past. Hooray, 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 misery's on the way. There are bad times just around the corner. There are dark clouds hurtling through the sky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's the antidote to all the happy songs.
0: Isn't it just? Yeah, uh, so what's it like being a member of the Strictly
1: family? Well, I, I'm, I'm not that close I'm not that close a member because uh, most of my stuff uh, is recorded. I have to admit this now. I put my hands up and confess. Uh, because uh, if you remember, when it began, I was doing the lottery at the same time. Yeah. Uh, about, uh, and then we had the invasion of the uh, the Fathers for Justice people yeah. mentioned earlier, which meant that Camelot decided that the television centre, in a way, wasn't that safe because people were getting in and setting off flares that uh, burn at uh, 3,000 degrees. So we, we moved, we went to a more secure location as far as they were concerned. So um, yeah, I decided to trot it off there. And, and that was about 20 miles away from uh, Boreham Wood, which is where they do Strictly. So I couldn't be in two places at once. They wanted me to uh, when we were at Television Centre. The aim was that I would just walk through from one show to another, <laughs> but it just it, it just didn't work out really. So I do pre-record a lot of my bits. I say things in slightly different ways. I introduce the judges and the dancers in about four or, four or five different ways, so it sounds like I'm
0: there. Yeah. Well, um, you've answered a question that yeah. has bugged me for years. Uh, there was there was a strictly when it used to have in, rather than Blackpool. It used to have one edition at Wembley. And you were doing announcing the couples, and then it might have been the final, actually, because then suddenly there was a break and you were doing the lottery. And I thought, well, is he doing the lottery from Wembley or is he doing strictly from the BBC?
1: Uh, Well, you see, we know it's, it's, I mean, it's not intentional, all that sort of stuff. It's just part of the magic of television. So don't worry too much about it, is what I I would say.
0: Although you're not there, did you get to work with Brucey at
1: all? Yes, I did. No, I did, because I would. in, on odd occasions I would go in on the Saturday because they were changing their minds about things or somebody had broken a leg and I would have to go in and change a few items nowadays I can do it all from home because you can these days it's all, it's all relatively easy but yeah I, I met him on, a, on two or three occasions and he was just again somebody you think oh, I'm in the presence of, presence of greatness mm. he would be very busy on the Saturday he, he wanted to make the show the best he could and for as long as he could and uh, he, was, he, didn't st- he didn't suffer fools gladly um, but uh, if you were doing the best that you could, and uh, all the rest of it, and got on with it, he was fine. An absolute gentleman, and he just cared. He just cared about the show. He did a lottery show of his own once, where he played two or three songs uh, on the uh, on the old piano. Yeah. Tunes on the piano, and uh, oh, he could play. Again, yeah, and he. But the thing is, he rehearsed all afternoon just to make sure it was right live and all that stuff. He really cared about what he did and how he did it. But I, I, you know, I was, again, I was just unbelievably lucky. I can't remember how Strictly came about now, but they said, could you... Oh, it was because, yeah, because we were co sided at one time, and they said, we just need somebody to introduce the dances and all that stuff. And then it, But that led to so many other things. Mm. I, I, to this day, I still do the American one, uh, Dancing with the stars. Did Do you do that from here? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. But they, they have two seasons a year. They have one in mm. the spring and one in the autumn. Um, so, you know, it's just... I've just been uh, lucky. That British guy, get that British guy. But, um, yeah, I've just, you know, I just can't believe. And each day, each day in my life generally when I wake up, each day is different. I do different things every day, Hmm. which is fantastic. When I was on the staff at Radio 2, you know, I knew pretty well what I was doing from day to day. But now I've gone freelance uh, and uh, I've moved on. I've moved away. I do lots of other things besides... I sort of think to myself, why didn't I do this earlier? But it's just the way it happened. I was just lucky, and it's, it's a bit to do with what I was saying about pace yourself, let things happen of their own course. Don't don't force anything to happen, and so it's all happened beautifully that in the in the in the autumn of my years, if I may put it that way, and if I may put it to you, that I am able to pick and choose now.
0: Yes, that's a lovely. Uh...
1: Lovely, just lovely thing. It'll happen to you in about 40 years. Thanks, mate. How old are you now?
0: Next month I'll be 54. Oh, you, you're not far behind. No. Right. Do you know what? I've never noticed it before, So, but, but take it as a compliment. You sound about 40.
1: Yes, no, I'm uh, very lucky. There was a time uh, when I was uh, a kid where I looked and behaved <laughs> older. Uh, but now it's the other way round. I, I, it's to do with the energy of the voice, and in a way... I wasn't the perfect newsreader for that reason because I had too much energy yeah. and I used to infuse about... You have to be careful when you're talking about people who've died or whatever, yes. tragedies. So you do have to put on, I have to put on, a little bit of a voice to bring me down. I have to think of horrible things and that makes me think about, you know, what if this was your family involved in yeah. this and that makes me think twice. But I've got... Yes, I'm very lucky. Mine is a voice... They did some uh, research on my voice many years ago and it's a voice that is naturally enthusiastic and yet I have to be, to be very careful about it because I sometimes speak too quickly so I've had to bear that in mind but also the other thing which was very lucky for me as far as Camelot's concerned is it's a voice you can trust because what yes. you, again what you see is what you get talking to you for two hours, heaven knows why um, I, if, if I were being somebody else you would have detected it by now because you can't keep that up for for that long. I mean, obviously, it's been exhausting. I'm sure. But, um, and I've given you my all. You know, it may not be much, but this is my all. This is what you're getting now. And the amazing thing is, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not charging for it. No. I am not charging for this. Thank God he got that memo. <laughs> how, Otherwise, this would cost you a small.
0: Yeah, it would have been a shorter interview. You mentioned it at the beginning of the, sh- the, the programme. How and why did you become a part owner of a bus or several buses? Oh, that was
1: just, yeah, just a little bit of fun. It, it, it's an odd thing that, that a lot of people in broadcasting, and I'm not sure why this is the case, but you will find that you'll find if you talk to some of the people when you're next at the, uh, the HBA Conference and Awards, talk to a lot of people in radio and television have an interest in transport. And I'm not sure why this is. But certainly at Radio 2, Ken Bruce, the people I had these buses, we still have them to a certain extent, but we're sort of winding the business down now because of the, uh, the, uh, the virus mm. and stuff. We can't make money you know, with them just sitting in a yard. But we, um, we, we talked to each other, and we suddenly discovered that I'd got an interest in buses uh, in the Midlands. A bus company there called Midland Red used to exist many years ago. And Ken had an interest in buses in Glasgow. Steve Madden, um, uh, who works at BBC Berkshire these days, used to do Night Ride on Radio 2 many years ago. He had an interest in London buses. Uh, and um, Charles Nove uh, was part of the, the the crew as well. And we, we all had this interest. So we bought some. And in the end we had about four masters and a couple of other spares in case they broke down. But a number of people have uh, have used them for, for wed- wedding receptions. Uh, um, and they're just great fun. They're lovely things, blessings.
0: Your tenth and final choice on Music was My First Love, Alan, is from the son of Elliot Gould and Barbara Streisand, Jason Gould. Tell me yes. about Morning Prayer.
1: It's just, you know, I... Over the years, um, I've had a, a huge interest in, in voices generally because I've never understood what people find interesting about mine. But <clears throat> I don't question it and I just get on with it. I've got my own views on what sort of voices I like. And this... This is, this is a lovely one, but also the, 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 the song itself is very nice. It's about remembering people's names and how the sound of their name is important. Because that's one of the first things you learn in broadcasting, especially if you're broadcasting to the whole of the country. If you get somebody's name wrong, or if you get the place name that they're born in or that they're living in wrong, they go balmy. So the least you can do, and I've got various books that I've collected over the years so you can look up people's names. But it's just it, 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 but that distills down into something even more important, that is just even the people in front of you. I've dropped your name in, Michael, a number of times during the course of this. Andrew <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: the, I wonder where thing, you're going with that,
1: then. Sorry, but, the is, the is, but I've remembered it because it, it's, it's important because it latches onto you and it makes you listen to me. And you've said my name a few times because names names are important. Voices are important. And yeah, this guy, I, I, I didn't. Um, I just saw it on a on a TV program and heard it, and I thought, this is what a lovely song this is. He is, yes, he's from a talented family. Yes, Barbara Streisand and Elliot Gould when they were together had this boy, the boy Jason. But he has, and it's been beautifully recorded, very close up, very close up to the microphone, but it, it doesn't distort, it's very, very beautifully recorded. And it just it just says everything to me about voices, about remembering people's names, and just getting it right. And I think, I'm pretty sure, I'm, I'm not a, good as I mentioned earlier, I'm not a greatly religious person. But you know how people do nowadays, they always have a tune or two or a song or two at their funerals, but I'm yeah. not going down... With this, this is just you know, it's something to bear in mind. I'm stricken in years now, ten, twelve years on you. I've got at least, <laughs> and, um, but you do think about it, and you think, well, what, what can I play to people while they think about what I meant to them and all the rest of it? And I'm pretty sure this will be in there somewhere because it just, if you just listen to the words and just enjoy the song, you'll see what I mean. It's called Morning Prayer.
0: The late Ray Wilkins, the footballer i don 't know whether whether you 're a football fan, but when he was interviewed uh, Did he choose that? no, but he uh, always dropped in the interviewer 's name when he was a manager of a club uh, if no, he was but being but interviewed
1: it's true, you see it's a, you, you, you yeah this is it 's in a way uh, the opening line uh, to the song again which you 'll just just concentrate on it and, and focus on it but you 're absolutely right it is important it 's important people 's names people are important. Uh, and if you are, you know, I'm talking to you now, but I'm also talking to everybody else who's who's listening. Yeah. Hopefully. You know, you just got to. What you're saying has got to make some sort of sense. I don't always get the. I don't always get the, the words right because I speak straight from the. Uh, well, from the mouth mainly, but from the heart. <laughs> from the heart. Uh, when I can, but it is important. But then equally, the company is important. And I have to say, the thing about you is, you're actually very easy to talk to. That's kind of you to say so.
0: As you look back on your broadcasting career, Alan, yes. he says dropping in name in, um, yes. is there one thing or one period that stands
1: out that you're most proud of? Uh, well, there have been some... Uh, <laughs> that's a lovely question, especially right at the end, how uh, dare you. There have been some amusing moments where everything hasn't gone quite according to plan. I was asked to uh, commentate on the lottery draws on Millennium Night, Remember Y2K? We were all worried about yeah. planes dropping from the sky and all that stuff. But I was, uh, I was at both Television Centre and Broadcasting House commentating on those because I had to move from one place to another between drawers. That was a bit risky, but I did it. And they both went wrong. I also, in that Millennium show, I was asked to commentate on the River of Fire that we were all going to see down the River Thames. Except the cameras weren't in the right place, for but nobody saw anything. And the other thing I did that night was I um, I commentated on Concord flying over the London Eye, and I'm not sure to this day whether it did because it was quite sort of rainy and cloudy. And uh, I just handed back to uh, Gabby Roslin. There we are, beaten by the clouds. <laughs> Gabby is the way I handed back to. Her. So that was that was a not a low point because I you know I just did all that I was asked to do and I did my best. Uh, yeah disasters have followed me around <laughs> generally, but there was some yeah my, most of my stuff, most of my stuff uh, has just I've rippled the ether it's all happened, and very few people have kept anything of mine because I did live TV and radio that was sort of almost throwaway, if you like. It was good at the time and it mattered at the time, but it's not worth keeping for long term, whereas other people have done lovely hmm. shows like your Hugh Edwards, he's doing the you know the lovely commemorative show about the Battle of Britain and all that sort of stuff so all his stuff is kept but that doesn't mean to say I haven't enjoyed it it was an absolute honour introducing, at one point I introduced um, Good Morning America because the, uh, the dancers from Dancing with the Stars went over. overnight they flew from Los Angeles to New York to, uh, to appear on Good Morning America and I was lucky enough to say live from Times Square this is Good Morning America and it was, you know, how many British people get? To no, do exactly. And um, so, you know, there are little things along the way, but nothing, nothing major. I've just had a great time.
0: And as we chat, October twenty twenty, uh, which I have to say that for the repeats, what's the immediate future?
1: Oh, a uh, uh, little bit more of the same. I'm not doing, uh, you know, I will, I'll do strictly as long as they ask me to, and Dancing with the Stars as well. But I'm, I'm sixty six. Gosh. Uh, this year, so. You know, I've got to be aware that uh, time is ticking. Um, and I just uh, I want to do a little bit more travelling. love. I've been lucky enough to do a bit of travelling. Didn't do it as a kid because my dad was a news agent and ran a shop and we were tied to that a lot of the time, so I couldn't go very far travelling. But since uh, becoming an adult, <laughs> sort of, and growing up, I've I've made up for it with trips to Australia and, and, and America and places like that. So there's one or two places like South America I wouldn't mind going to. <clears throat> Can't do it all on the television all the time. No. Um, so it's just nice to go. So I do take myself off travelling. And I, I, do, I either go with friends or I'm happy, as I've said before, with my own company, so I can do that. And I just sit in, I do city breaks. You know, I'll sit in uh, the middle of um, Brussels, for example, and, uh, and sit and watch the world go by. Uh, and I just love it. I just observe people and I watch people what they're doing and all that stuff. So, yeah, I, uh, a little bit more travelling and, and, and that sort of thing. I don't want to be ill. Uh, and all that business so I don't think about it I just get on with life some people sort of you know don't go anywhere and are terrified in case they fall ill if you fall ill you fall ill hmm. um, you know just get on with life don't don't worry about too much I think that's the main thing as you get slightly older some people um, worry about the least little thing. It's not worth it. Get on in. The main thing I'm told is keep moving. So let me, you know, again another bit of advice to you there. As, as you get older just keep moving.
0: Keep moving before it stops yeah, working. Do not
1: stop. <laughs> do not stop
0: Alan do. Dedico, the last couple of hours have been a thrill. Thank you so much. Oh, never mind.
1: But thank you, thank you for whatever it is you're doing. Thank you, Alan. Do you remember the sun
0: Listening to Music Was My First Love on Radio Glamorgan where Alan Dedicote has been choosing ten of his favourite tracks. I'm Andrew Wolfe and join me again soon when someone else joins me and chooses ten of their favourite tracks, on another edition of Music Was My First Love.